Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we are going to be talking about the five good emperors of Rome. Now as I said in the introduction, this is going to be a near and dear episode to my heart because the five good emperors is what I did my capstone project on. These were five individuals who inherited the throne to Rome through not so common means. Most of the time, people that came to the throne in Rome were either... either inherited the throne through, uh, you know, being born to the emperor, or there was a coup, conspiracy, what name you. These five gentlemen were adopted by the emperor that was in place at the time, and then they inherited the throne. They didn't necessarily have any family ties to these specific people, right? So... The first one was Nerva. He took over the throne of Rome after Domitian, who was conspired against and assassinated by the Senate and the army. They appointed Nerva to take his place after Domitian's death. Nerva adopted Trajan before he died, and then Trajan took over. Trajan adopted Hadrian. Uh, Antonus Pius was adopted by Hadrian, and then Marcus Aurelius was adopted by Antonus Pius. Now, that the five good emperor period ended after Marcus Aurelius's death, because then his son Commodus is the one that took over as emperor, and that is where the empire started to literally go to shit, because Commodus was fucking psycho. He He was... He was a train wreck, and we'll get to him later. But first, 
I want to start off with what led up to these five men being adopted and taking over the mantle of being Emperor of Rome. Because it wasn't like it just happened overnight. This was years and years of conspiracies and assassinations and just terrible people in control of Rome that finally the Senate, the army, the people, they just said, enough's enough, these fuckers suck, we need to get someone in here that actually knows what they're doing and is actually going to help us. Now, there is a quote by a man named Edward Gibbons. He said, if a man were called to fix the period in the history of the world during which the condition of the human race was most happy and prosperous, he would, without hesitation, name that which elapsed from the death of Domitian to the ascension of Commodus. So, it is a historical fact that these five men, the five good emperors, ushered in an era that saw so much prosperity and just an overall well-mandated administrative direction in world history now i'm not saying that it was perfect you know there were issues and all of them you know each one had their own problems here and there and we will get to that later um but overall this was a time when there wasn't that much warfare logistically and administratively rome was prosperous and it was flourishing and you know, there was also a certain point in time under the rule of Hadrian when the cultural aspect was expanding because Hadrian loved everything that had to do with Greece. And he wanted to bring the culture and the arts and literature from Greece and integrate it into Roman society. And he was obsessed with it. So it, it was more, there was a lot of philosophy behind it as to how they wanted Rome to behave and you know, how they wanted to elevate it to the next level of prosperity. After years of civil war and siblings fighting each other for the throne and saying, no, it's mine, no, it's mine, you know, acting like petulant children, uh, it, it just became understandable that we don't need someone who's related to the emperor because every time we have someone that's related to the emperor, they freaking suck. Nikolai Machiavelli even said it, that those who succeeded the throne by birth were unanimously bad, and those who were adopted were good. And case in point, these five emperors, they, like I said, they had their issues, they had their demons, but inherently they were all decent people who were in it for the betterment of not only themselves, but their people overall. We're going to jump into uh, what started it all. So, the idea of adoption began with Augustus. Uh, Augustus ruled in the late BCE era, which was before the Common Era, which was like, you know, one to now. He had hopes of creating a dynasty in his own name. He wanted his family to live on through the ages. He was descended from Julius Caesar, who, despite, you know, wanting to be the dictator of Rome, it is a fact that... Julius Caesar was a remarkable leader militarily and, you know, administratively, even though he did end up going a little power hungry. So Augustus had this long drawn out plan that he was going to have his best friend marry his daughter and then uh, they were going to have kids and then 
his best friend ended up dying, so he adopted his stepson. It's a long, drawn-out process of, you know, friends dying and children dying and sons not wanting to take over. It was it was just a mess. And Augustus's plan of creating a dynasty was kind of going to crap. So he asked his friend Agrippa to marry his daughter Julia. They had two sons, Gaius and Lucius. They ended up dying. Agrippa ended up dying. And so he adopted his stepson Tiberius and he said, "You are going to marry my daughter Julia," which is a little weird, but this was a different time, you know, intermarriage in the or interfamily marriage was you know kind of common keep bloodlines pure and stuff like that I'm not saying it's right it's kind of gross but you know whatever so he adopted his stepson Tiberius and then made him divorce his wife to marry Julia before his two uh, grandsons Gaius and Lucius died they were heavily favored to take over after Augustus death but unfortunately, they passed away shortly after their father, Agrippa. Uh, there's no telling how they died. You know, disease was rampant back then. It's not like exactly like Rome was the cleanest area. He adopted his, his stepson, Tiberius, named him his successor. And then Tiberius didn't want anything with it. He, he didn't want to inherit, you know, it's kind of like a, like a, like a movie that you see where this rich dad has a plan laid out for his son. Like, oh, you're going to attend Yale and you're going to become a lawyer and stuff like that. And the son's like, this is your plan, dad, not mine. This is basically what happened. You know, Augustus adopted his stepson Tiberius and was like, you're going to take over after I die. And Tiberius was like, the hell I am. That's what you want to do. That's not what I want to do. So he said adios and went to live in Rhodes in a villa. And he was just like, peace out, dude. I'm not having any of this. You know, this is all you. Augustus kind of took that personally. You know, he was like, what the fuck, man? Like, I'm, I'm laying this empire on a silver platter for you and you don't want any of it? It was shortly after that that Augustus uh, fell very ill. And before he died, Tiberius, knowing that his father named him the successor, convened the Senate and basically said, all right, I'm here let's get this shit going. Like, before his dad is even in the grave, he was like, all right, I know what my dad wants. Like, let's get this stuff going. And, you know, the, the Senate was just like, all right, whatever. Like, emperor's dead. All hail the emperor. You know, that kind of crap. This is, this is where it starts to get really confusing because Tiberius was afraid that his nephews wanted to take over, so he had them assassinated. <laughs> this, yeah, it's it's bad. You know, there's a lot of assassinations and stuff like that. Tiberius went to go live in Syria and man the fronts and stuff like that. He's still emperor. He went to Syria and he was poisoned, killed. So then his son Drusus took over, but he died as well. <laughs> so it, it, it already Augustus plan for a dynasty is just crap. It's all it's all done. Tiberius died. His son died. It, it just it just led to mass hysteria. So then this guy Claudius was named emperor. He was uh, part of the aristocracy. So you know he had a name behind him. Blah 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 blah. Claudius's wife murdered him, so that her son could take over. Nero. That name might sound familiar. Nero is one of the more prolific uh, emperors from Rome. While he was okay. He wasn't all there. I mean, this is a guy that was accused of burning Rome to the ground 
and while it was on fire, he was off in some villa, like, performing stage theater and playing on a lyre while Rome burned. I don't know, dude. You, you got your priorities messed up if, you know, you're letting your city burn while you're playing an instrument, you know? <laughs> but to each their own and stuff. But Nero was uh, a descendant from Augustus, so it kind of remained within Augustus's plan of creating a dynasty, but he was a distant relative, but a relative nonetheless. Yeah, the fire that I was talking about, the fire spread throughout Rome in 64 CE. So now we are into the uh, new millennia. And um, as the city burned, you know, people are dying. They don't have the proper tools to handle a big fire. And I mean, you got to think, towns, ancient cities back then were very, very close together. You know, they weren't as spread out as they are now. And it's not like they were made out of metal or anything like that. These are thatch houses and wood and, uh, you know, clay and stuff like that. So fire spreads relatively easy. So yeah, Nero is on a stage while the city is burning and he's singing about the destruction of Troy. Now, it is not proven whether or not that he started these fires or not, but he didn't seem too concerned about it. So, you know, strike number one right there. <laughs> He, he was, he was, he was a, he was a stage dude at heart. You know, Nero wasn't exactly an emperor at heart. He was a performer and that's what he did best. While he did handle some things very well when it came to the logistics and administrative duties as being an emperor, at heart, he was a poet. He was a songwriter. He performed on stage for the Senate and the people. So yeah, the people liked him a little bit, but you know, Performing on stage can only get you so far when you're kind of being a shitty leader. Nero ended up dying, and this caused a power vacuum because he did not have an heir. There were He didn't have any kids, he didn't have an heir, no one was named a successor upon his death. So um, there was this guy named Galba. He was a legion leader in Gaul, which, was, which is like modern day uh, France, Spain, you know, that kind of area. While he is in Gaul on the frontier, he's just like, all right, Nero's dead. I'm Caesar. And, you know, his army, they're just like, yeah, yeah, you're Caesar. And everyone's like, who the fuck is this guy? So he named him Caesar, made his way back to Rome to claim the throne. Um, no one else did. No one else claimed him. His army was behind him, but everyone else was just like, get, get out of here, scrub. No one likes you. No one even knows, knows who you are. But this was the first time apart from, like, Augustus didn't really adopt anyone, it was his stepson and stuff, but this was the first time that we actually see an adoption process outside of the family. So, he named, so Galba names himself Caesar, and then he adopted someone that wasn't in his family, and his name was Piso, and he did this in front of his, his legion. He was like, hey, I'm Caesar now, and this guy right here, Piso, I'm going to name him my successor. He's been in my army for a while now. I think he's a stand-up guy, and I think he can lead. So he's going to be my successor if I die. There was this other guy named Otho, who was Galba's closest friend and ally. He was like, what about me, dude? Like, we, we fought together for years, and you're going to name this nobody your successor? Okay. He took that personally. And he staged a coup and had Galba and Pisu murdered. Now, the interesting thing about this, the first five good, first of the five good emperor's name was Nerva, okay? Now, when Galba and Pisu were murdered, 
Their heads were placed on poles, and Otho declared himself as Caesar. Now, the man in charge of killing these people, so this is like around um, 46 CE, something like that. Uh, the man who was in charge of killing Galba and Piso was Nerva. Alright? So... He harkens back. He's been Nerva was with the Senate for many, many years before he became emperor. So, I mean, he's worked under a lot of different emperors and a lot of different senators. So his name was well known. He wasn't exactly, you know, the greatest or the most popular emperor or senator out there. But he was a guy that was known and he made it. He made a way to make himself allied with every emperor that came to be. I mean, if you want to make it anywhere with how many times the throne changed, you gotta try and kiss ass so that your head doesn't end up on a spike as well. So he played the game fair, relatively well and made himself in good favors with each emperor that came to be. Now, once Galba and Piso were murdered, Otho declared himself Caesar and the fucker only ruled for three months before he was killed. Right? So this is just a train wreck after train wreck after train wreck, okay? So Otho was killed after three months by the next emperor, Vespasian. That's a V, Vespasian. They were killed in battle because Otho declared himself emperor. Vespasian was out on another frontier near the uh, Danube River, and he was like, fuck that. No, this dude's not emperor. I'm emperor. So they met on field. Otho was killed. Vespasian took over. He had a son, Domitian. We'll, we'll give it, get to that name later. So Domitian was Vespasian's son. Vespasian took over. He died a few years later. So then his son, Domitian, took over. He didn't have any other siblings. So it was just him. This is one of the problems that I came across in my research on Domitian. So it was uni unanimously decided that this man was one of the worst emperors in Roman history. I could not find very many uh, academic articles or books or anything like that detailing his accomplishments. And one of the things that I did come across was the reason behind that was because he, you know, the victors write history. That is a well-known fact. Anyone who survives a battle, wins, you know, a campaign or anything like that, they're the ones that dictate how history is written. So he was not exactly the most favorable emperor. I think that these Roman historians smeared his name after his death because, I mean, he, he ruled. He wasn't exactly the greatest. You know, people said that he ruled with an iron fist and he was authoritative and you know just not an all-around good person so when he was assassinated and the senate appointed nerva the first of the five good emperors to take over there were a lot of roman historians that trashed domitian's name and i mean maybe he was terrible maybe he wasn't but we can't really know for sure because maybe it was just a way to uh, squash any of his um, supporters that might have wanted to retake the throne in his name. Yeah, he was not looked on upon as being a great emperor, but like I said, we don't really know for sure. It's probably just... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today slander and misleading all right so the year is 96 ce so like i said augustus started this in 23 bce okay so now the year is 96 ce this was many years of people coming in to becoming emperor dying as their emperor a new person coming in them dying and all this crap this was just a like musical chairs for the throne which is no way to run the world's largest empire at the time it's just a joke but then nerva comes in okay nerva wasn't the most well-known senator in rome he had a few postings here and there throughout Rome. Uh, there were some tablets uh, found detailing his time as a praetor, uh, which is like a military leader um, and a senator and stuff like that. So he had his time spent in administrative positions, but he he was an older man. He was seen as feeble and old, and I think he was appointed because it was like a safe bet like, oh, this guy's going to die soon, you know, he's relatively old, he has no children, so he's not really much of a threat, you know, he doesn't have an army behind him, he doesn't have a lot of uh, supporters and conspirators behind him, so I think this is just a safe bet to appoint this old guy while we find a suitable replacement, and, I mean, it worked, you know, um, he was involved in the conspiracy to take out Domitian, and he really took it to to heart that he was picked to replace Domitian as emperor. You know, he really, really um, 
was pleased about this. He was very good friends with Nero when he was emperor. You know, he uh, he worked on poetry with Nerva. He with uh, Nero. My apologies with Nero. He wrote songs with him. He engaged in stage theater with Nero. So he and Nero were good friends. But I don't know. It, it's it's kind of hard to describe. Um, why he was picked but i think it was just because he was a safe bet and i mean at this age the guy was like 60 some odd years old at that time i mean you're practically on your deathbed um so no matter who his allegiance to was in the past the guy played the game very well because you know he didn't want to end up dying either um so uh let's see here it was believed that uh nero or that Nerva, sorry, all these names sound the same. It was believed that Nerva was not the first choice, just because of the fact that he was older. Um, but he did come from some moderate nobility, so I mean, he did have a little bit of a name behind him. And uh, he 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 knew the stuff, you know. He he, the dude is old as hell, so I mean, he had the background for administrative stuff. Um, now, while he wasn't exactly illustrious, he um, he had lived through many different emperors, so he knew how not to behave and how to behave and, you know, what kind of actions you should shy away from if you don't want to die or have a coup placed against you. So, I mean, that that's pretty easy. And he was manipulated, you know, he wasn't exactly the strongest in... Uh, military standards you know he had a few military postings but nothing too extravagant um now it is highly disputed but it's believed that he inherited a shitty shitty treasury um it's believed that domitian like trashed the treasury in order to build great lavish villas and um just all kinds of public works programs that were completely unnecessary. So Nerva came, became emperor and had no money whatsoever. Uh, but there were a series of public works programs that he instilled. And he also passed a legislation that would help the um, poor children of Rome and like orphans and stuff like that. You know, he really cared about the kids and he wanted to make sure that they were taken care of. So he had a, couple different public works um funds set aside to help the orphans and uh the children of rome and stuff like that and funny enough i mean it had nothing to do with him being a pervert but you know trust me that is more common than you could possibly believe there were so many perverts in charge of rome they're just wait we'll, we'll get to a few of them so yeah he uh, set up a trust fund to aid the poor and orphan children of Rome. And in September of 90 C, so about a year, he ruled for about a year, 96 to 97. And then he adopted Trajan by his, uh, his son by law and named him as, a, as his successor. And then in January of 98, Nerva passed away from what appeared to be natural causes. You know, he was an older gentleman. So then he passed away. Um, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't great. He, he was chosen because, you know, he had served in the Senate for so long 
he was seen as trustworthy, but also not someone that would that was overly ambitious just because of his age. He was just a safe bet until there was a substantial replacement to take over for him. So, I mean, I couldn't really uh, say that he was a terrible leader. He definitely did what he could in the time that he had, you know, setting up that trust fund to help the poor children. I mean, gotta help the orphans, man. I mean, that's pretty good. Especially when you, you know, you had an emperor a few years ago that just let the city burn while he was singing la di da di da on the stage. So, hey, you're already a step on the right path, you know? All right, so the next guy to take over was Trajan. And let me tell you, it was so much fun to read about Trajan. This guy had it all. He had charisma. He had the military backing so that no one would fuck with him. He was kind and caring, but but authoritative, and he knew what he wanted. He was loved and adored by the people, and the Senate respected him. Trajan is the epitome of perfect leadership. This guy could do no wrong, and he really did not, you know? Um, one of the historians that talked a lot of crap about Domitian upon his death was Pliny the Younger. And <laughs> let me tell you, Pliny had a little bit of a chubby when it came to Trajan. I mean, the, the things that I found that Pliny wrote about Trajan, it, this dude had a serious bro crush on him. I mean, he was talking him up all, all the time. Just, oh, Trajan is this and Trajan is that, my dear Trajan. Oh, great and mighty emperor. And Trajan's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Calm down, kid. All right, you're, it's fine. Just, just do what I did. Just do what I put you in power to do. Oh, oh, I'm so grateful that you put me in power. It's like, dude, calm the fuck down. Get off his dick, okay? <laughs> But I mean, it's it's true. He was a fantastic leader, and I can't I can't stress that enough. So, at the time of uh, Nerva adopting him, Trajan was governor of Upper Upper Germany. Okay, and he received a handwritten letter from the emperor himself. You know, he sent out a uh, courier. Nerva sent out a courier to deliver a letter to Trajan and say, "Hey, I'm adopting you as my son." Trajan didn't know it was coming. You know, he hadn't met the emperor once before, but, you know, he was just up in Upper Germany, minding his own business, controlling the frontier, when all of a sudden this kid shows up, and it's just like, here, I have a letter from you, and it's just like, hey, Trajan, what's up? I'm Emperor Nerva, you might have heard about me, I'm adopting you as my son. I mean, what do you do at that point? You can't say no, it's just like, holy shit, okay, cool, like, looks like I'm the next successor. So, when he heard about Nerva's death, he didn't move back to Rome immediately. He was like, all right, he's dead. The emperor's dead. Long live the emperor. You know what he did? He stayed at his post to make sure that the leadership was transitioned properly, to make sure his men were taken care of, to make sure the frontier was secure, and he didn't want to leave any loose ends before he headed back to Rome. When he, when it was announced that Nerva was dead and Trajan was emperor, um, there was an there was a coup, a couple Praetorians under the leadership of this guy named Casperius Alanus. I'm probably mispronouncing that name. I am sorry. They were like, okay, the new quote unquote emperor is up in Germany. Let's stage a coup. So they tried to take the throne out from under Trajan. And Trajan heard about this and he was like, all right, send them a letter. Tell them I'm proud of them. Tell them that they are cool and I want to. Uh, 
I want them to come up here, and I want to bestow a special commission upon them. And they're just like, whoa, you mean he's not mad at us? Like, we just took the throne out from under him, and he doesn't want to kill us right now? Okay, that's cool. So they get word that Trajan wants to honor them and give them a special commission. They go up there, and they're expecting this big um, feast in their name and everything like that. Trajan kills them. <laughs> he killed them so these two dudes are just complete jackasses and they're like yeah we're the emperors now oh the actual emperor wants to uh bestow an honor upon us wow this is our lucky day i mean what did you think was gonna fucking happen <laughs> talk about idiots so they went up there thought they were gonna get something special and trajan kills them like no you're not emperor i'm emperor nice try scrub sit down before he went to Rome, he inspected the frontier along the Rhine and the Danube to tell his men, I will not forget about you. Too long has the frontier people been forgotten about, neglected, and that's not going to happen under my leadership. I'm here to take care of you. I want to make sure you guys are well taken care of and that you have my confidence and that I have yours. I mean... Not that many leaders today even do that. I mean, how, how often do you see uh, politicians go to the front lines of where they are engaging in uh, warfare and instill confidence among the troops? Like, where, what, they go to, like, Air Force bases and other bases and stuff like that where, you know, nothing's even happening? Like, yes, I know there are forward-deployed troops and stuff like that. They're away from home. I get that. I respect that. But... To visit these frontier areas, I mean, this was a different time. This is when guerrilla warfare was rampant. And, I mean, the frontier wasn't exactly a picnic in the park. This was some dangerous stuff. You were in enemy territory no matter what. So, I mean, Trajan just strolls around, strolls along these frontiers and is just instilling this confidence and power into his men. And is like, I will not forget about you. And he didn't. When he arrived at Rome, Trajan was greeted as a hero people in the streets were throwing themselves at him and embracing him and he was embracing them back you know the senators were sitting there and they were waiting for him and being patient waiting for him to come up the steps but he was sitting there mingling with the people and hugging people and you know talking to them and getting to know them and he was really instilling a confidence that the people of rome had not seen in so long an emperor who put himself down on their level and wanted to talk to them like they were citizens and the same. And they were. Trajan didn't hold himself above anyone else at the time. He, yeah, sure, he was emperor, but he didn't think that he was in a position where he could flaunt himself above his people. And what is not to admire about that, you know? He went out into the streets and he talked to the children. He talked to the women and men and the elderly. And he embraced them like they were brothers and sisters. What's not to love about that? He's doing all this with the people, and then he goes up to the Senate, and it's like a, a switch flipped. And he becomes this, you know, he wasn't an asshole, but the confidence that he instilled and brought to the Senate, you know, he wasn't letting anyone walk over him. This this guy had so much charisma that you he walks into a room, and people just stare at him. And they're just watching to see what he does. His approachability and his modesty helped win the support of the people. And, I mean, given what, hap 
what is believed to have happened under Domitian, like, that is night and day. What isn't to love about that? While adopted by Nerva, it was not lost on the people that Trajan was also the biological son of a very distinguished man in Rome. Uh, Trajan's father was well-respected, and in the words of this historian Pliny, the guy that absolutely loves Trajan, um, he wasn't quite deified by the people, but he was definitely sitting among the stars. In the speech delivered by Pliny upon Trajan's return to Rome, Pliny states, No tie of kinship or relationship bound adopted and adopter. Your only bond was that of shared excellence, rendering you worthy either to be chosen to choose or be chosen. Nor is there a more fitting way to adopt a son if the adopter is the princeps, the leader. If he is destined to rule all, he must be chosen from all. Not to adopt someone who in the eyes of all could have proved a ruler, even without adoption, would indicate the wanton tyranny of power. So this idea, what planning is basically saying, the emperor adopted the best man among the best men, among the members of the senatorial class. In his family life, the emperor had to disregard his love for his own children. He had to look for the best man among his peers and raise him to the throne by adoption. Nerva saw that in Trajan. He saw, you are not my son, but you come from a well-respected and renowned military leader, and I see what you are doing in Upper Germany, and I want you. You are what Rome needs. You are the leader that is going to lead Rome into a more prosperous future, and he could not have been more right. That is all for today. Tomorrow, we are going to pick up more on Trajan, and then we're going to jump into the other emperors. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you come back and listen to some more. Thank you so much, y'all. Take care.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. 